I've got to get away. I, I can't. I, I can't take it anymore. They just keep coming. I read your dreams, Sega fan. Don't tell me you're done with shining games. Love them or hate them, you keep buying them. No, 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 no. You won't give me the series I love. You just give me these terrible pieces of trash. I must, I must stop feeding the beast. But you can't stop, can you? Of course, we could always just stop bringing them out of Japan if you want, right when we might be getting a knack for them too, but it's your choice. <laughs> no, my nightmares have gotten even worse. Think about all the ways you can hurt me. Why must you be so cruel? We grow stronger with every soul we crush, and yours is one of the tastiest yet. Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP Gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number, what is this, 106? 105. 105. That just kind of all blends together after a while. Uh, 105, all that glitters is not shining. I'm your host, Bill Willis. I'm your other host, Mike Minky. And tonight we're talking about all those shining games that perhaps don't shine quite as brightly. To help us uh, talk about these tonight is Mr. Apps. How you doing? Hey, Mr. Apps, I can't help but notice that one of these games here is called Shining Tears. Do these games bring you to tears, Mr. Apps? Yes. Yes. There's actually one of the most appropriate, appropriately named games ever, actually. And looking down, further down the list, I see one here called Shining Gnashing of Teeth. You know, so obviously we, you two have got some work to do. Um, I'm going to let you guys take the mic for the most part tonight as I 
try to get some things done here on my side behind the scenes, but uh, looks like we've got a lot to... Phil, you don't want to take a stab at what Shining Wisdom could mean? <laughs> you, uh, you become wiser by not playing it? Mm, I don't know about your physical about your mental skills, but you, you will be, be wiser by uh, not hurting your thumb. There you go. You will hurt your thumb by playing this game. So, uh, so actually, I know you guys are just being sarcastic because uh, these, for the most part, are shining games that have action elements to them. And as we all know, all RPGs are better when they when they progress from being boring turn-based affairs to being action-based deals. Just like Fallout series when they went to Fallout Three, everyone loved that one much, much better. So, I'm um, expecting to say that this is going to be a really exciting and fun evening. <laughs> Clearly, your thesaurus needs some work, Phil. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, Miss the, the two the duo of mics will uh, will take this horse by the reins and increase our shining wisdom. We'll be right back after this musical selection. <laughs> Straps, are you ready to start a trip down not one of the less pleasant paths on memory lane? Oh, as ready as they'll ever be, I think. Let's just well, get let's it done. let's start with let's start with an interesting one that doesn't really work. We start with Shining Wisdom, developed uh, by the company that would be Camelot shortly for your Sega Saturn, the wonderful, uh, wonderful Sega Saturn. Released in Japan on July 22nd, 1995, in North America on June 26th, 1996, and in PAL regions, July 1996. This is a single-player action RPG for your, again, wonderful Sega Saturn. Localized by Working Designs for North Americans. Yay! They translated out all the references to Shining Force games. They did, although I ha- I gather there is some uh, Sega legalese mumbo jumbo that says it had to be done that way because Sega owns that copyright. Yeah. Still, and- that's that's why I bought the European version. 
which, thanks to several products that you can use easily with your Sega Saturn, will play on a North American system. Exactly. So, Shining Wisdom. Um, okay, our plot. We are in the footsteps of... Well, Working Designs calls him Mars. Is he still Mars in the European version? Uh, I actually forget. I haven't played in a while. Okay. I'm not well, sure. Well, it can be translated as Marth, which means that it'll make you think of Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this redhead has nothing to do with the usual redheads in Fire Emblem. True. Although he seems to at least a little bit be trying to Im- imitate a different redhead. Yes. Unfortunately, where Mr. Adol Kristen is able to just bump into enemies at the right angle, uh, Mars can kind of do that. Uh, we'll get to that. Yes. The story will, the story will not take very long. <laughs> Even for 1995 action RPG standards, this is not a particularly involved story. So Mars is the son of a great man. Now, now you didn't. You know we're walking down the path of originality right here. Oh my God! I have everybody... never, never in my life heard of anything like this in a story ever. You've never heard of the hero being told that his father was a great man who did great things, but he might just be able to meet or exceed them. Gasp! Please, please. Contain your shock. Let's see here. He has just gotten... Oh, oh, I I forgot. He is late for work on his first day. (laughs) Again, this is flabbergasting in its originality. (laughs) His first day of work is to be a guard at the castle, working for the king. And what do you know? Mars, somehow or other... Does not fall asleep when evil strikes. Evil. Which is in the form of, uh, what is this face? Pazort. Pazort, however you want to pronounce it. There's no voice acting, so I don't know how you pronounce it. (laughs) And Pazort, Pazort, Pazuzu, is evil. And you know this because he says so. He's evil. How kind of him. He wants to destroy the kingdom and just auger in an age of darkness all over the land because uh, because he's evil. Really, do you need any more explanation than that? I don't think so. And he has four subordinates who are also evil. The only one of them who gets any more explanation really than that is uh, the female one because she shapeshifts and pretends <sighs> to be Princess Satera of the kingdom. See, here's our here actually is a fairly original element. You don't usually see the villain S shapeshifting into the princess. This is true. And, tur- and turning the princess into a duck. Also true. So of course, Mars because he's mute, that that never helps when you're trying to explain your case to people. <laughs> is unable to convince people that, yes, that is an evil, ver- an evil clone of the princess for a while until he saves the real princess. And um, there's a fairy involved somewhere along the way that comes along and 
turns her back from being a duck. And the evil villainess runs off after being exposed and really doesn't try to fight it out very long. And what do you know? Because Mars rescued her, Satara loves him. Success. Now, you never saw that one coming. Oh, no. Of course not. <laughs> um, <sighs> so then he, then he kicks the crap out of all the bad guys, and Pezord is a sore loser and tries to take Mars with him. And then the fairy, who gave you some deus ex machina help earlier, well, she just thinks you're such an upstanding guy that she's going to violate the rules. I'm, I'm not really sure what these rules are, but she's going <laughs> to violate them and bring you back from... Uh, almost death you're kind of in the realm between life and death and everybody was really really sad because god darn it he might be dead might be dead (laughs) and by the way this is the message that um what is his name see it doesn't help when the two characters from shining force 2 who appear in this game Sarah and Kazin had to be renamed by working designs. Yeah. But Kazin does appear and he's trying to deal with the fact that the hero, the one we owe our thanks to, he's not coming back. And then he does come back. Shock. And and at the conclusion, he's going to go take off and save that fairy who helped him. And the princess, well, she just loves him. And I think I have just summed up the entire plot, with the exception of elaboration on when Sarah and Kazin show up. <laughs> really? It's a 1995 action RPG. If you go in expecting plot to be its strength, you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah. I mean, even even though it's working, or not, sorry, not working science, even though it's Camelot, not exactly Shakespeare. Um, let's see here. And yes, since it is working designs, we have... Actually, it was pretty light on pop culture references, as I recall. Except for one about kale pectate. (laughs) Oh, they gotta have at least one in there. I I don't know, again, maybe if I had gone through the game in a very methodical fashion and listened to everything everyone had to say but the translation wasn't that enlivening that I felt the need to (laughs) at every point go through and see what what working designs might have made the NPCs say yeah whatever was there was probably better than Whatever was originally there, anyway. Probably. Camelot has written one excellent story, and Golden Suns, since it's not yet complete, is, um, well, the jury's still out there, but this this is no Shining Force 3. (laughs) No, sir. So let's go with the gameplay. Okay. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, it is. Do, do you want to take it first, Mr. Aptor, shall I? Uh, I mean, it's been 
quite a while since I played this one, but I think what might kind of give an idea about how this game plays is remembering my biggest memory of this game is the tutorial to learn how to run and having trouble with that. Uh, which should not be something that's all that difficult in an action RPG, especially with, you know, a good number of buttons and controls on the Saturn controller. <laughs> and that is my most lasting memory from the game. Trying to get the hang of well, running. I don't blame you. Because <laughs> running is... Well, some games just give you a button to hold down where you automatically dash, or you can double tap in a direction. Shining Wisdom throws that out the window. You want to run? Oh boy, we're going to give you a workout. Here's how you run in Shining Wisdom. You start hammering the B button, or the X, or the Y, or the Z buttons. They're all used for the same purpose, which is some great design there, because the Saturn button has all these buttons, and we're just going to ignore that. Got eight buttons, not counting the start button. (laughs) Right. So why would we use all of them for different purposes in an action RPG? Forget that. That's crazy talk. (laughs) Let's just... Well, uh, apparently it was originally being designed for the Genesis. That might be part of the explanation. But that's still no excuse, because if you're going to switch it over to a new system, take advantage. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, you hammer on these buttons, and once you have re- and you have several levels of charge for your dash mechanic, and once you reach the level of charge you desire, which should be the highest possible because otherwise you're going to move around pretty pokey, then you have to hold the button down until you either run into something like an enemy, which will cause you to lose some of your charge, or you use your charge for a special attack, which is a lot of your uh, inventory will do different things if you're charging. And what happens when you do that? The charge dissipates, and you get to mash on the buttons again to do it again. (laughs) Do you know what's great about this for boss fights? You get to mash on the buttons hundreds of times in a few minutes because you need to be moving fast when you're (laughs) fighting the bosses. This makes sense, right? You want to be moving oh. fast for these encounters. <laughs> Let me tell oh, you, why, my, thumb why, why? Was, my thumb was really sore. By the, this is a short game. I only played it a few hours a day because my thumb was getting really tired. And I can only oh. imagine how much worse it would be for somebody who has, say, arthritis or something like that. Uh, I can't even imagine. I hope they had the good sense to not continue playing it that long. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't call this a game that everyone needs to partake of. No, which you you don't hear us saying very often about a Camelot-developed game, but, you know, everybody's got their duds. Yeah, there's there's a reason Camelot has not made many action RPGs, I think. (laughs) Yeah. It almost seemed like somebody there played East and was like, hey, I want to make something like that. And they didn't quite know how to do it. Now, I will I will be fairly kind to it. There are a lot of items that will 
instantly revive you without even any explanation (laughs) if you get killed, which is nice because that means you don't have to put up with going through all the loading screens as an early Saturn game. It has them. And at least once you get into a dungeon, you don't have to worry about loading for the most part. And some of the puzzles in dungeons are interesting enough that if I hadn't been in a hurry and needing to reduce the amount of thumb mashing I had to do so that I resorted to a fact quite a bit, <laughs> that might have been fun to engage in. Uh, but, yeah. The, the inventory is another problem here. And since it's an overhead action RPG, kind of like Zelda, I have to bring this up. Zelda lets you equip your sword constantly and something mm-hmm. else. Shining Wisdom lets you equip either the sword or oh. something else. And again, there's there's eight buttons on the Saturn. Eight buttons. <laughs> what the heck? But Mike, four of them are being used to mash for dashing. <laughs> ah! <laughs> And the shoulder ones are all, are being used to shuffle between screens in the inventory. <laughs> oh. And what was the A button being used for? I don't remember right now. Oh, oh, using using So, your C button. You're going Actually, no, you will not be using the C button most. You will be using the B, X, Y, and Z buttons all the damn time. Oh, how did this game go so wrong? I don't want to come across too negative. There's an interesting mirror palace puzzle, series of puzzles where you need to keep going through mirrors and into other parts of it that are just identical except reversed, moving moving things around. You know, standard stuff, but kind of fun. And there are some interesting spots where you can use your dashing and several varieties of boots to uh, affect the earth in various ways. You can use the earth, the gravity. I don't remember what kind of boots they are. They're just boots (laughs) where you, you can stomp through the floor or you can put out fires surrounding you or you can do a running leap, things like that. So it, it has some interesting items. And there's there's a limit of 99 to the expendable items you can bring with you. So there's no freaking excuse for getting killed. <laughs> even if yeah, even if uh, there's very there's almost no recovery time. Dumb <laughs> occasionally. But yeah, interesting ideas. Some of the dungeons are interesting, and that's about as nice as I can be, really. Yeah. Um and I think you said it, you know, there's a good reason why they didn't really try an action RPG again. And you know, it's it's just just not their thing. I mean, well, as long as we're talking this... about this thing for a Saturn game, it sure doesn't look like one. No. I I can see how the Genesis could have handled this really except for a couple explosion effects. So, you know that pixelated crap that flies at the screen. Yeah, it's it doesn't really take advantage of the Saturn. 
Yeah, not that the Saturn could do 3D too much, but, you know, obviously there's a lot better 2D usage on the Saturn that is certainly shown in this game. Hey, I think Camelot showed what could be done with 3D on the Saturn with Holy Ark and Shining Force 3. Oh, that's true. Both of those are some of the uh, some of the better-looking games on the Saturn and are still all relatively playable. Uh, uh, Sh- Shining the Holy Ark's dungeons are haven't aged all that well, but I mean the battles still look great. So yeah, lots of inventive special attacks. They move along pretty quickly. And let's face yeah. it, if you're into if you're into a first person dungeon crawler, you're not looking for premium graphics anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And um, but shining wisdom. No. <laughs> oh, oh oh oh! I forgot. There's the wonderful cinematic that opens the game. Ooh. I mean you. You're thinking of it right now, that those beautiful CG graphics uh, that last about a minute or so. Uh, <laughs> Skippable, thankfully, um, unless I'm just blocking yes, it, out watching it multiple times. Yes, it is skippable. Okay, good. Which, which it should be for all games, because <laughs> you don't want to watch that more than once on anything. <laughs> and all I remember about the sound is um, that when Mars is hit, he sounds a lot more like no, it's not. It's not when Mars is hit. It's when some of the enemies are hit. Some of the insects he fights make really disturbing human-like grunts. <laughs> and there's one music track, the one that plays in the castle, which makes me think somebody threw an ancient cassette into a tape player and it's being chewed up. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't remember any of the music from the game. Uh, who, who even did the soundtrack? Was it, you know, Sakuraba? Did I? No, it wasn't. It was no. I don't know. I'd have to look to see who it is. Actually, I could do that because RPG fan, I think, lists the soundtrack somewhere. So uh, here, I've got it on Wiki here. Wiki! I'm not going to try and pronounce the name, though. I'm just going to see what else he worked on. Uh, Shining Force 2. Shining Force The Sword of Hyja for Game Gear. Shining Force CD. Shining Wisdom. <laughs> Gun Griffin. And... SD Gundam over Galaxian was the last oh. game soundtrack this guy worked on. Motowaki Takanochi. Thank you. <laughs> Did yeah, not look at the soundtrack. It has, a, <laughs> it has a total of 12 tracks. Even, even for 95, that's pretty sparse. Yeah. So, at the very least, I can give Shining Wisdom some credit for being, well, it's different than anything else you'll play in control. <laughs> that's That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say that's a good thing, but it does mean I will remember it for a long time to come. That's as true. I think of my poor thumb, <laughs> my poor thumb. <sighs> but let's let's move away from something I can even backhandedly praise. <sighs> Four years after the last Shining game, Sega revived the series. Yeah, on wait your Game a Boy Advance. Oh, okay. We get Shining Soul, <laughs> developed apparently by two companies, Next Tech and Grasshopper, published by Sega in Japan, Atlas in North America, yes, Atlas, and Infogrames in the EU, released on March 28, 2002 in Japan, on March 7, 2003 in the EU, and September 16, 2003 in North America. Yes, it took a year and a half to cross the ocean all the way to North America, and it wasn't worth the effort. Mm, not really. This is this is a mainly single-player RPG. 
action RPG that if you have some link cables and more copies of the game, you can have more than one person play simultaneously. If you want to do that... Surely you would, right? If you are able to do that anymore... Well, let's... Yeah, here, let's let's address that real fast. How many people still have the GBA link cables? I do. Okay. Do you know someone close to you who can use it, one with you? I do. One person, awesome. exactly. <laughs> Does that person have another copy of Shining Soul? They do not. So you'd have to buy another copy for it. At least I that think is... some games, most GBA games at least, made you buy another copy in order to use everything. Yeah. And since I did not play it with help... I can talk about Shining Soul as a single-player expense. Oh, my. Well, well, we can dispense with the plot real fast with this. Here, you are a nameless soldier. Oh, there was. Here, you are a nameless soldier. There are these other guys at an encampment who tell you, Dark Dragon is out there and evil. Go beat him. So you do that. And you have to beat Dark Dragon's lieutenants, like Bullzome, Zeon, Eom, Dark Soul. I get with I get Dark Soul, but I didn't know anybody else worked for Dark Dragon. <laughs> and that's it. All of these people in the headquarters, they never help you. They just tell you, go out there and do it. Do our dirty work. You are supposedly at the head of an army that you never see. You just wander <laughs> around and talk to the same losers at camp who don't do anything except well, one of them does tell you in a painfully in a painful speech that you will hear many times every time you die, you will hear him say that Actually, I refuse to remember it. It was just <laughs> mundane, and I refuse. I refuse. No. <sighs> and there are a couple other people, one of whom you will, several of whom you will have to talk to constantly to manage your inventory because you have te- twenty-five slots and things are constantly dropped. Um, and that's that's it. You go out there and you kill things. There is seriously no more attempt at a plot than that. And eventually, you kill Dark Dragon, and then when you do that, game's over. You win. Yay! Sure. <laughs> have a good. <laughs> Yay, question mark? (laughs) But, you know, it's a hack and slasher. These do not live and die on their butts. They don't, but, you know, you know what? I kind of feel like it, it needs, it needs a little something more than just the base gameplay sometimes. Cause, you know, you know, especially a game like this, which is trying to take place in a pre-existing universe, it needs something. Yeah. Did you ever long to fight Xeon and Bullzome in action RPG fights? I did not. And having played a little bit of this game, uh, I certainly did not in this particular <laughs> manner. I, I can't imagine why. Because I, I would say that this is not exactly a particularly well put together Diablo clone, to put it nicely. I, would, I will, you know what? No, I will not try to put it nicely. I will put it as this is a mess, a stinking mess, a big pile. The fact that I don't remember any glitches offhand is about the only nice thing I can really say to it. (laughs) Look, the story, I don't care about the story, but if you're going to make me sit through the same piles of text, all right, and here's why you might have to sit through the same piles of text, because, yes, you can save at any time, technically, but what happens if you save in the middle of a dungeon? I'll tell you what happens. When you turn off the GBA and turn it back on again, you will be back at base camp. And you will have to go through all of the dungeon again. Oh, God. All of it. No. Oh, yes. No, please, no. (sighs) 
it's it's just like that. Ugh. So now now that we've established, and of course the dungeons get longer as you go along. They're they're only either seven or of eight course, or but you have to play through them in one go, or else you can just start over again and enjoy the grinding. Uh, there is absolutely no recovery time after you get hit. So if you're unlucky or you're because you move slowly, it's pretty easy for you, you get stuck in a corner or something like that, and you're dead pretty quick. Which is where the, the fortunate fact that it will just boot you back to camp with no other permanent consequence comes into play, because you will die a lot. Mm. Uh, and actually, you can take advantage of it, because unless the enemies are actually attacking you, they won't hurt you, so you can walk right through them. <laughs> I don't I really understand how that works, but there are huge hordes of enemies, and you can just walk right through them when you need to. <sighs> um... Let's see. So you've got four classes you can choose as for your nameless personality-less soldier. Um, I chose an archer, which would probably mean more if it wasn't on GBA, since GBA usually goes for a fairly close-up view. Yeah. I think I chose the wizard. If there was a wizard, it may have been the second Shining Soul. There which may have we'll been get a to. The first one. Yeah. yeah, it won't take long. <laughs> this won't take long to slam into the dirt. <laughs> Um, uh, so, because you can only choose one character class, most of the equipment that you find is completely unusable, even after you've gone to the bother of lugging it back to camp and IDing it. And you only have 25 inventory slots, which, well, that'll, f- that'll fill up fairly fast, actually. And, yeah, there's a skill system, and the skills do matter. Um... There are a lot of enemies to kill, generally. So you can just enjoy the fact that you can kill, oh, several, maybe a hundred on some of the bigger screens. Oh, 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 I forgot, I forgot. See, here's the best part. You have to kill all the enemies because one of them, somewhere, will open the exit to the next floor. But it will only open once you've killed the right enemy. And that enemy might not pop up until you've killed almost everything else. Uh, Aren't you thrilled? Uh, thrill would so, not be a word I would use. I sense you're struggling to avoid profanity. Yes. Uh, I, I think, don't blame you. I think my reaction to this game was basically, um, what the heck is this bleep? <laughs> And, and I mean, you can see why the game would draw you in, just kind of looking at the the graphics, because you know they did a pretty good it job. It's bright, right? Yeah, I mean, they did a good job with the sprite work, kind of making it look like the older Shining Force games. So it's kind of it's like a tease. Yeah, the only I don't know how this sold enough copies that the series was allowed to continue because this is one of its worst parts. Good question. Uh, I mean, was there that much of a demand for a dungeon crawler on the Game Boy Advance? I mean, there were a lot of good games on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I mean, there were Zeldas if you were really in need of an action-y, RPG-ish game. There there were Castlevanias. I mean, you've got Link to the Past, yeah, if you want something top-down, Link to the Past will do it amazingly well. If you yeah. want a side-scroller, take Circle of the Moon. Circle of the Moon rocks. I mean, I, I've if played you... through Link to the Past, like, uh, I don't know, 25 times or so, and I would rather play a 26 than subject myself to Shining Soul. 
Well, hold it. Rather than go with, let's go with something else that's a hack and slasher. Like, okay. um, I don't know, the two towers on GBA. <laughs> In which case, uh, I, I might actually give the prize to the two towers for having a more absorbing narrative. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm stretching here. Yeah, well, but, but it's not real. It's it's only fair to compare it to other hack and slashers. Yes, and yeah, this one just gets really old really fast. I'd be like killing the same things over and over and over again because you're going to see the same sprites and you're going to kill them hundreds of times each. Have uh, fun, or skip it. <laughs> make make like it never existed. Make like this worthless waste of humanity. Think of the precious time expended by the human race in the creation and experience of this game and think then on what else the human race could have expended its time on what you mean like an improved sequel well that you know like you could honestly just say hey i i spent my time chopping down trees and for my own amusement, and it would have been a better use of your time than Shining Soul 1. True. slamming it into the dirt. Let's let's move on to the sequel. Okay. Shining Soul 2 was created was developed by Next Tech and Grasshopper Manufacture, published by Sega in Japan, THQ in the EU and Atlas, again Atlas in North America. Released on July 24th, 2003 in Japan, on March 26th, 2004 in the EU. So surely Atlas has saved us from another failed localization by Sega, right? Right? You are back. Okay. Did Phil have to come in? No. All right. Well, that just provides an excellent point for him to find music to put in or something. I don't know. That's anyway, true. It was actually a good breaking point because we were about to start with the next game. <clears throat> and since I don't know how much of the intro I got, I'll have to do it again. Okay. Our next title, Shining Soul 2, developed by Next Tech and Grasshopper Manufacturer, published in Japan by Sega, in North America by Atlas, by THQ in the EU. Released on July 24th, 2003 in Japan, on March 26th, 2004 in the EU, and on June 24th, 2004 in North America, meaning that, again, it took longer to reach North America than the EU. An interesting reversal of the usual pattern. So you're saying that that surely Atlas saved this title from, you know, Sega's evil clutches, right? Let me tell you, Mike. There's only so much polishing you can do on a story that involve that is boils down to you are a mute soldier. There is an there is a soldier of the kingdom who has become evil. Stop him. <laughs> there, there's only so much you can do with that unless you want to just add in reams of dialogue for your own purposes that will probably inflame the purists to no reason. <laughs> so, again, if you are playing this for its story, my, oh my, are you playing it for the wrong reason? <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll give you the story. <clears throat> Dark Dragon was beaten in the first game. Spoiler! 
darkness is again approaching upon the world. <gasps> Gasp! So, the, the top soldier of the kingdom, I forget what kingdom, I don't really care what kingdom, has um, been taken up by evil, and he's, he's acting evil now. And, evil of him. Yeah, you never saw that coming. And if I remember right, he is your final boss. So he is so evil, in fact, that you will have to beat the crap out of him at the end. No, he might be the second. He might be the second final boss. I don't remember right now. The, it, several times, bosses, who you will, of course, just meet and then fight immediately, say that there's an organization called the Chaos Knights, about which you will never hear anything otherwise. <laughs> so it might as well not exist. Um, yeah, so here more evil go kill it that's your that's your story what are you not thrilled i am so thrilled that perhaps thrilled was not the correct adjective <laughs> used <laughs> um so let's let's run down there are eight character classes you can choose from this time yay i went with an archer again just because range attacks awesome Although, again, it's it's a cramped GBA screen, so you can't shoot that far in the distance, which kind of defeats the purpose of an archer, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. But this time, you can't walk through the enemies. <gasps> I'm... No. Which, and since there are generally fewer enemies on screen, it is usually possible to avoid them, but not always. Again, it's a fairly cramped GBA screen and on things like, I don't know, the decks of a ship or a cramped castle environment. Um, you'll have to be careful. Because you don't move fast enough to re- to reliably dodge, although that might be just an archer. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Well, I think it's all. As I remember, I don't remember what class I played, but movement was definitely slow. Yeah. So having established that you move slowly, let's also establish that just like the first one, you can get killed real fast because there's no immunity to damage after taking a hit. Yep. But also, just like the first one, it, when you get killed, you just wind up back in town. You have to endure a lecture from somebody who greets you in your bed in the castle. Something like, uh, gosh, I, are you already awake? Good. And, and of course, takes three text boxes that you must scroll through every time you die <laughs> before you can charge out and attempt the dungeon again. Uh, though, it, here, here is one thing that has improved. If you go back to if you save in the middle of a dungeon, you can resume where you left off. Yeah, the system on again. What you should not do is leave town and go into another dungeon because that will undo it. But you know what? That makes sense. I I can handle that. And we've still got the whole. Here's your twenty-five limit items and. I hope you enjoy finding mostly things that you cannot use because with more classes, there will be more things that you cannot use. And this is something I didn't mention about the first one here. I'll, I'll dogpile on it here. There are so many pieces of equipment that you cannot equip until you have the right stats. <laughs> and that because you get points with every level that you have to throw into your stats, that means you want to equip that nice-looking helmet that throw all your stats into strength. Which makes perfect sense, say, if you're using a mage. <laughs> of course. Mages need strength to, um, I don't know, carry heavy books? Oh. Carry, carry uh, 
freshly made staffs that are still of wet wood. Try, I know what, they need to try and carry this game's plot. But they don't need any strength for that. That's true. You could hand it to Woody Allen after he's been dead for a couple of years and he can handle it. <laughs> you can scrawl this game's plot on one piece of paper and probably not need to use the backside. <laughs> um, okay, apparently this could be fun if you have those link cables and friends and extra copies of the game, which I do not have, unfortunately. Maybe. Those things are getting harder and harder to scrape together. Yeah. But, I mean, if you had all that set up, you might as well get some extra hardware and play uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles on GameCube and, you know, play it on a nice big TV. Yeah. I can't honestly imagine a scenario where you've got that many people and that much equipment and you don't have access to a television. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, uh, see, this is why I write reviews of things, so I remember things like this. Lots of text in this game just moves along at a set pace, which means that you can't hurry it along, even if you read faster than it's moving. Isn't that lovely? That's terrible. (laughs) Um, The the dungeons are more interesting, even if they do reuse a ton of the sprites from Shining Soul 1. The couple of the boss fights are moderately interesting. I had to try the final boss several times. I mean... About nine, ten times before I finally killed him. I remember that. It's just a matter of getting his pattern down, though. Hmm. And um, hmm. Hmm. that's and the music is catchier than it was in Shining Soul One. Although that's not saying much. Hmm. You got anything yeah. else here? Um, I don't remember the music at all. Probably. Because the Game Boy Advance is uh, not so great speakers, but yeah. Um, well, that and I was playing it on SP, which means since I don't have the adapter, I can't use headphones with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what I could say for both of these games is I guess there was some kind of uh, market for dungeon colors like these on the Game Boy Advance. But I mean, even if you could put up with all the awful garbage in this game I mean there's just so many better games on dungeon crawlers on portable now that um, it, it's just a waste of your time and really it was a waste of your time when it originally came out anyway so yeah it, it improved on the first one which admittedly that was not difficult it's like saying yeah. you, you made a better superhero movie than Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you did great what an accomplishment but it, it, it may have been tolerable nine years ago. Nowadays, why, why would you bother? Yeah. And just because it was tolerable nine years ago doesn't mean it was any good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is kind of going to be my mantra for this whole thing, is that I'm not against the idea of a action RPG set in the shiny universe, because, I mean, we've already had some uh, some first-person dungeon crawlers set in the shiny universe that worked out very well. You know, yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't only have to be tactical RPGs, but you know, it would be nice if it was a good game. And uh, swing and a miss we're, here. Thus far, we're missing that key aspect of it being good. <laughs> yes, exactly. <sighs> yeah. 
and since we're doing the, the batting analogy, well, that shouldn't Sega have been completely out by now? That's three strikes. Yes, yeah, yeah. But no, Sega is no ordinary ball player. See, the GBA got one more title, Resurrection of the Dark Dragon, that quite good remake of the first Shining Force. Yay. But no, not enough people bought it. So we got the wonderful, wonderful Shining Tears next. You sound so thrilled. Well, hold, hold it. Let's, let's give it the introduction first. Okay. Developed by Next Tech and Amusement Vision, this was published by Sega in all regions. It was released in Japan on November 3rd, 2004, and in North America on March 22nd, 2005. This is a single... No, it is not a single-player action RPG. It is a single- or two-player action RPG for your PlayStation 2. Okay, Shining Tears. An appropriate name. Yes. Many things will cause people to shed tears. This Yeah, and I don't really have much... I don't really probably don't have much to complain about because you actually had to play this game all the way to the end, and I, thankfully, did not. Well, it's only been a few months, so I've already managed to forget most of the plot, but let's see what I remember. <laughs> okay. You play as Zion. Zion has amnesia. He doesn't remember who he is. Now, while I let that thrilling, <laughs> stunning plot development sink in, he is promptly called into battle to help his newfound friends fight against an invading army, which seems to have no other purpose but simple conquest. Again, I'll let you pause to take your hearts out of your throats for the the, inevit- the amazingly creative con- conceptions that we've come up with here. <sighs> now, but that sums up most of it, which is that we're going to fight against this army which is coming. There is one interesting element which the game promptly throws aside and just doesn't do anything with. Zion has a ring on his finger, and each of the second c- characters, we'll get into that shortly, who comes up with him in battle has a matching ring that just magically appears when... They join him for a fight. And Zion's personality alters when his partner puts on that ring, which ends up meaning absolutely nothing because he... Anyway, the game never does anything with this idea. It's just there and pretty much tossed aside immediately. Yay! Unused plot points. Yeah, why would we want to explore how his personality changes when he's using these magical devices that suddenly give him the power of... An unstoppable dynamo, pretty much. Now, why would we want to do that? That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, th- this would be very interesting. <laughs> th- especially when you go through several plot points where your group of nine, ten people is talking about how they'll never be able to cope with this army of 10,000 soldiers. Well, you know what? In any given battle, it, the game will tally how many enemies you've killed. At the end of certain fights, which admittedly go on for multiple screens, you will have tallied three, four hundred enemy dead with just the two of you. <laughs> I don't care how many there are. They're going down like bowling pins. <laughs> but again, why, why would we want that? Why would we want to explore such an interesting angle? Oh, of, of course Our not. characters being demigods, I guess. <laughs> um, and there, there's one other thing I have to mention here. Zion is 17. Um, the first character you meet... Let's see here. Dang. 
dang it, Wiki, you're not listing all the characters for me. Anyway, first character you meet is uh, Elwyn. Thank you. Thank you, Memory. She is an elven princess. You learn that later. She's a princess. She is either 117 or just 17. And, of course, she looks 17. Of course. <laughs> Next character, Ryuna, priestess, 17. <laughs> Another character, Mao, also a princess. You learn this late in the game when you fight against somebody who is her dad, and after beating the crap out of him, he reveals... Uh, I don't remember how it's really anyway. She's, she's a princess, too. She's 17. <laughs> um, I'm forgetting someone. Uh, there's a dragon dude who's assisting Ryuna the priestess. 17? Even he, yeah. Even though he's supposed to be her mentor guardian. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. I think you're... There are several other characters. There's there's a wolf guy named Volg who would be interesting if he had anything interesting to do or say. He is not 17. He is 43, 45, something like that, which, of course, means we never get to see much about him. Of course. Oh, oh I'm forgetting. Nage, Nage. She has a different name, but she is also a princess, and she is also 17. <laughs> well, I guess I know what I should have been doing when I was 17. <laughs> Truly, yeah, I was a failure. Let's see, you were 17 in what year? Um, God, uh, it's probably two, 2000, was it? Well, then you should have gone to Afghanistan and fought against the Taliban when that was still the unhip thing to do because you clearly would have kicked their butts at 17. Clearly. <laughs> um, let's see, the dragon dude who assists Ryuna, uh, he dies for a while, and then he's brought back through some some convenient plot contrivances. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, this is just an epidemic of 17-year-olds. <laughs> and, of course, they're all incredibly apt at, at combat. Of course. Aren't all 17-year-olds? Well, yeah, especially when they've got magic rings that make them into dynamos or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad writing. Yeah, th this is poorly written. Well, I shouldn't say that because, uh, you know, you've got Persona games with a bunch of 17-year-olds where it's not bad, but that's probably more of an exception. Those are high schoolers. High schoolers for, thrust into true. unusual circumstances. These are people who are in a medieval fantasy-type land, when admittedly 17-year-olds would have been expected to fight, but capable of destroying whole regiments at a time? I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, yes, and I have to mention this. Uh, the bad guy is, of course, trying to unleash an ancient evil, and he succeeds, more or less, and you have to put down the ancient evil at the finale. I again, please, tell me when, I'm, when I've stopped flooring you with the revelatory nature of these... Of well, these actually, I was kind of surprised that you didn't say that the evil bad guy was 17. Well, he's... He's taking over somebody's body, so I don't really know how that works. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and that takes up the entire last battle, which gets into some structure that I'll go into. But the second-to-last battle, or campaign, however you want to call this, involves a bunch of people, a shining force. It is actually called this in the game, showing up to seal off and destroy the town where the ancient evil will, will awaken, and you have to go fight them. All of them, pretty much, mm. because they're doing it the wrong way. You've got to be—you've you, got a different way of sealing the evil that doesn't involve destroying the whole city. 
and the only way to make them see sense is to beat the crap out of every one of them. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. So there's the plot, and apparently some people like the characters. Sure, I I could see that. I, I didn't see anything interesting about them as done in this game, but they have nice character designs from one um, Tony Taka. So, yeah, that, that's cute, I guess. And then that will lead us to the game itself. Oh, my. Well, here. Look. Sega, in its infinite wisdom, apparently decided that it would be a far better idea to just dispense with all the voice acting in this game. So uh, all the story segments are now text-only, which would be fine. But apparently Sega, in localizing the game, also introduced load times. Pretty nasty load times, too. I don't like load times. (laughs) Who does? Especially when they're 20 to 30 seconds. Ooh. This is one of the... When it comes to technical issues that really make me mad, load times are are rising up the list with every day, it seems. (laughs) And, okay... The partner mechanic. When Zion goes into a fight, he does so by picking one of the other characters to join him in a fight. And that character influences some of his stats a little. And he can join with that character by holding down, uh, it's one of the shoulder buttons, to lock that character in place. And then they can use a special move that will affect the enemies in between them. And the only character worth using that I found is Ryuna because, A, you can use her special attack to wipe out the undead so that they don't come back to life twice before you finally kill them. And B, because when you're not having her do that, she will heal you. It's always useful. It is, especially when you have a pretty strict item limit this time around. Um, so, there's the, so there's the partner mechanic, which is really all it amounts to in this game. You get a partner who tends to be really, really stupid and just wander around and you get to use the right thumbstick in order to maneuver that partner. Which, for an action RPG, is, mm, I'll be charitable and say less than ideal. But you actually won't need to worry about it too much because everybody moves so slowly. (laughs) It's like they're moving through molasses in a mudstorm. And I'll give it credit for a couple of interesting ideas. One is that enemies tend to come at you in groups with a leader. And if you can kill that leader, then the troops will lose bonuses that the leader granted them and with the ca- in the case of some we'll just scatter for a while and act like idiots so that's an interesting idea and i'm trying to come up with something else something positive anything um it's it's cute looking <laughs> again the, the character designs are nice i don't remember any of the music oh uh, well there is voice acting in battle you will get to hear elwin say nice knowing you a lot You'll get to hear um, Ryuna say, Lost souls, may you rest in peace. A lot. Um, Yeah. Because you use the D-pad to cycle through your inventory, you don't get to use use it for movement, which just feels weird to me for a 2D action RPG like this. Yeah. And really kind of a mistake. I mean, it's not that not that the uh, not that the uh, analog stick is terrible. It's just not exactly ideal. No, I, I know why it's there. It's because you can then use the right analog stick to move the partner. Right, but it almost seems like it, it was the case of, hey, 
how can we use this right thumbstick instead of, you know, uh, actually thinking, hey, would using this right thumbstick be a good idea? Because I don't think it really is. No, and it's only necessary because the AI is so dumb that you really need to have it to have it move yeah. around before the screen starts forcing it to scroll. <laughs> um, here, let me let me slam it a couple other ways. <laughs> you won't run into this early in the game, but later when you get things like poison clouds going over the screen, or late in the game with the gigantic elevator and the dozens of enemies on screen at once, you will get to see lots of slowdown. <laughs> slowdown is, can be useful in a shoot-em-up. It is not useful here, because you can literally watch the frame rate crawl as you scream at it. T- carry out my actions faster, please! <sighs> and, okay. Early on, the missions consist of generally one, sc- one screen. That's fine. Later, they start to expand to two, three, four parts. All right, that's fine. It does mean that you can't go do anything else if you get kicked back to the to town after dying, which it is kind enough to um, just pop you back into town with no consequence other than... Uh, actually, I don't think anybody even gives you a death speech, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but you, that does mean you have to tackle these later dungeons in one rush. You can't go do any, anything in between. And... The second-to-last mission consists of ten parts, and the final mission consists of 17 parts. What? I counted. Yeah. Well, that's slightly obscene. (laughs) Slightly. Uh, At least you don't usually have to kill everything. You can usually get by with killing enemy leaders, but considering doing that involves slicing through their troops, you're going to kill a lot anyway. (laughs) (sighs) Hmm... Yeah, ma- massive slowdown. I hate the load times. I, I despise them beyond reasonable levels of discourse. The story is an empty bag with a few crumbs left at the bottom for those who are super desperate. Shining Tears, I gather a lot of it was the fault of the localization, but still, it, it's just not much fun unless you've got a second player around so you can do so you can have the partner fight with a brain, but I didn't. I had to do it all solo. Oh. So, all I can say about it is, if you want to see this done right, well, we will talk about Shining Wind later, which, you know what, I'll save it, because Shining Wind is actually a decent game. But we don't get to talk about a decent game next. Now we yeah. get to talk about the next Shining Action RG. Do we have to? Let's... Let's purge the pain, Mike. We can do okay, it. okay. Next is Shining Force Neo, developed by Neverland and Amusement Vision, published by Sega. Released on March 24th, 2005 in Japan and on October 20th, 2005 in North America for your PlayStation 2. It is a single-player action RPG. Would you like to start this one? No! <laughs> Well, I can kind of, I guess at some point I can tell the story of how I eventually learned of this game and got excited for it, but do you want to start with the story, I guess? I can. Oh my goodness, the story Uh, of Shining Force Neo. (laughs) Yay! Uh, Okay, hold on, sorry. Sure. Shining Force Neo. 
Well, apparently to justify it having force in the title, you play as Max. Max has interesting fashion sense. Just just look at him. He's wearing what looks like a turtleneck that bears the midriff <laughs> on a man. That That's just weird. <laughs> and he goes through some snowy places, so he really ought to cover up a little more. Really? Um, I know. I'm, I'm giving fashion advice to Japanese role-playing characters, but he just looks so ridiculous in that thing. <laughs> so, Max has just been trained to be a force. Yes, force <gasps> is a proper noun in this game. Oh, 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 there's the force in the shining force. Yeah, yeah, and he is, in fact, a shining force at the end. They call him that. Ugh. But we'll, we'll get there. Let me... He has just come home after year after several years training. Oh, and of course he's seventeen. Of course. <laughs> well, I just I just had to get that out there. <laughs> and there, and he meets his old friend Meryl. He who they've known each other since Max was four and she was two, which means she's fifteen. Oh. And he goes. But that means she's she's not old enough to save the world yet, right? She's old enough to have a meaningful character crisis. Ah, uh, we'll get to that. Oh boy, will we ever. Max gets to help his dad for a little while, just taking care of the town where he was raised until evil appears. <gasps> yes, a man in a mask shows up to destroy the crystal. There are three crystals around the world, and together they are holding back the dark castle. <gasps> which which is not the evil EA game from back in, on the Genesis. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is uh, the base of the Clan of the Moon, which is which was responsible for a war several years prior that killed a lot of people and, you know, destructive things. And the man behind the mask, which is how it is phrased in the game. The man behind the mask. He made Kane, Max's older brother. <gasps> and actually he is, but it's only Kane's body. You see, Kane has been taken over by Vandolf, the brother that Max has forgotten about because he died? Or did he? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And he is of the Clan of the Moon. And he is just using Kane's body for now. Well, once he smashes the third crystal... Oops, spoilers. He smashes all the crystals and the dark castle revives. It's time for him to take back his own body. And what is he going to do? He's going to conquer the world. <laughs> Truly a novel goal. Anyone ever like want to just conquer, I don't know, a small piece of land? Does it always have to be the world? Does anyone case, ever want to yes. just? Does never anyone ever want to conquer like oh I don't know what, a tropical island or something? In anyway, the modern I'm day, sorry. I think that would be. <laughs> well, let me see. You know, we are going through a lot of game time before all three crystals are broken. Trust me, this is a long game, much longer than it needs to be, much longer. <laughs> And this this gives you time for Max to go around and meet other forces. Yes, that they are seriously called forces. Because if you get a force frame, then you can um, uh, just augment it and you're a force and you're super powerful or something. First, he gets Max gets his trainer, Graham the Centaur. Then he gets Chiquitita, the magician from the ice place. 
and Chikatita just makes me think of ABBA. You know, Chikatita, you and I know there's no way you can deny it. This is the only other Chikatita I've ever heard of, so of course I think of the ABBA song. Of course. Um, then there's Baron. Yes, his name is Baron, which is, which I guess is kind of like naming yourself Duke or Earl, so whatever. Is he a Baron? Uh, no. Of course not. He's he's sort of a ninja-ish guy. Uh, there's Rhinos, the ex-giant guy who had a character arc that I've forgotten because it was so badly done. There's Mariel, <laughs> who is the daughter of Graham and also a centaur, and she can use healing magic, which means that there is a centaur in the Shining series capable of using healing magic. Interesting. Hmm. There's Drew, the dragon. That's it. He's a dragon. He's a baby dragon. <laughs> Meryl likes him. And there's a robot named Adam. You knew that had to be That's, in there. Of course. Oh, and there are a couple of birdlings, Klein and Freya. Aside from one time when Freya is trying to get Klein on her side and suggesting that she have relations with Max because they are the last two birdlings. <laughs> and apparently they haven't been doing anything. <laughs> Oh, but uh, I have to spoil the hell out of Meryl. Okay. She has, you see, she, as a toddler, her parents were of the Clan of the Moon. (gasps) Does that mean that she will also become evil? Well, Vandolph sweet talks her a lot. And for the final dungeon, she cannot be used for a long time because she thinks that she cannot be with Max anymore. And she should be with someone like her. Until she gets knocked out of it and just gives up and rejoins you for the final battles and lucky you. Wow. It it eats up a good 30 minutes or so of screen time where you have to listen to people yammer about something that you don't care about and you know will be resolved. (laughs) And let's see. Oh, yes. After the Dark Castle has has appeared, Max must, of course, undergo a trial to become a shining force. And that involves going through three mandatory dungeons that are randomly generated. Oh, no. But we'll, And you also have the choice at that time of opening up all the Legion hives and killing lots of optional bosses, and you probably should because it gives you lots of extras. And <clears throat> in the conclusion, Max... The conclusion actually seemed to happen in space... <laughs> <laughs> because you beat the crap out of Dolph and he just decides that he's going to summon uh, the the evil whatever it is, which is... Oh, no, it, it's Dark Dragon. Dark Dragon is, is it really? Space. Yes. And you have to beat See, the crap out of Vandolph before Dark Dragon shows up. So I was wondering if they actually used any nods to the original series in this, but as we'll discover later... Aside from from Adam? <laughs> yes. But as we'll discover later, I could not persevere enough to find out. Anyway, he be- you beat the crap out of Vandolph in space. In space, and Vandolph and Max are having a teary conversation. And Max helps Vandolph one last time, and Vandolph warps him back to Earth because Vandolph can warp, which is really nice. And uh, you place a wreath on Kane's grave at the end, and you get to watch as Max and Merrill they love each other. Whoopty freaking do. Except Kane might be watching them. Is he dead? I don't care. <laughs> there is an optional dungeon after you beat the game, but I was done. I was so done. 
Uh, anything else with the story? I have to think here. It was so riveting. So riveting. Oh, I, here, I, I have to address how it was told. Here, it de- Sega demonstrates why cutting the voices out of Shining Tears and not replacing them was not the worst thing it could have done. <laughs> Oh, boy. All you know is go to Audio Atrocities and check the Shining Force Neo segment. And oh my, will you find some fascinating things. Oh, boy. Max, frankly, sounds like he's trying to be Kermit the Frog to me. Most of the other characters do not seem to understand what it means to vary your vocal performance based upon the situation. Yes. Sega's localization did not help matters. There, there is a wonderful line Adam speaks late on. A long, long time ago, this place was once called Ancient Castle. <laughs> Remember that. It was called Ancient Castle a long, long time ago. <sighs> and yes, in combat, you will get to hear the same lovely lines over and over and over again. Meryl, you will get to hear say, Hot stuff coming your way! thousands of times by the time done. And you will occasionally get to hear her intersperse it with go, go, go! Hot stuff coming your way! Graham will say what I swear is tremble for mighty balls! Tremble for mighty balls! And he's a centaur, so that makes it even more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I I have more to say, because we haven't even gotten into how you play it yet, but... Uh, Here you go, uh, Mr. Raps. Tell us your story. Well, you know, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the Shang series, and had been for a long time, and despite, you know, Shang's little games, which are kind of meh, and, you know... You know, even seeing that it was going to be an action RPG, I was excited, because, you know, Shining Force, you know? They're bringing back the big name. You know, this has to be good. You know, yep. Sega is fun- clearly finally bringing back the big series, and so excited. You know, got this game for Christmas. Still in the relatively early ages of online game journalism. So, outside of some screenshots, I didn't really know all that much, and really. Uh, the prospect. I'm trying to of... remember if EGM reviewed it. Uh, sure. Because I I read EGM pretty regularly for a long time, and that's that's how I knew about a lot of stuff. But if you looked at some of the early screenshots for this game, you know, I'm trying to picture like my because I guess I'm still was still delusional at this point. Was trying to picture my the my ideal for a Shining Force action RPG, thinking like, oh, you know, it'll kind of play out like the strategic battles in a real Shining Force did, except you're just playing it out in real time, which would actually be an interesting idea instead of the bizarre marriage of Diablo and Gauntlet that this game actually plays like. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, eventually... Don't insult Diablo and Gauntlet like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, I really, really tried to force this monotonous piece of garbage down my throat as much as I could, because it wasn't... Because I had forced my parents to actually buy it for me, so... Now I felt bad, and (laughs) my god, did I try and play this thing, and I just couldn't, because what the hell?! 
could could Sega not at this point figure out how to make a decent action RPG? Never mind one, you know, influenced by Shining. Just a decent action RPG. This was wasn't this past the point where they had made Fantasy Star Online, which was a pretty yes. decent action RPG. Couldn't they have done something that played kind of? I I don't know. I I just it's it's an awful game. Not even going into the point into the various issues with the localization where the battle cries are horrendous and repeated ad nauseum, or the, Max, watch out. the terrible story, Max, watch out. or the terrible voice acting used in the story sequences, which the, you can't skip through. Yes, the, the boring dungeons, just the awful slow pace at the beginning of the game, just. No, no, the beginning of the game is fine because the difficulty balance is okay. For the that's first, true. I don't know, two, three hours. Yeah, that's so true. So you're thinking, I don't know, this is this is okay, actually. I, this is nothing revelatory. And then after, after Max's dad dies and you go out into the great wide world, I will tell you my precise experience with this. You are told, go whatever this place is, some road, and look, here, here's a sign saying this is where I'm needed to go. So I go there. Well, guess what? It's the wrong part of the road. This, <laughs> these enemies are much stronger than they should be, so they kill Dead. me with one shot. <laughs> yes. And, and even this, when... this is the first Shining game to dispense with that wonderful tradition of if you get killed, you get warped back to town. No, you get game over here. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, even if you go where you're supposed to go, if you're not well prepared or just not really paying attention, you can just, you know, get ganged up on and destroyed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> or just incautiously approach something that you shouldn't be approaching yet and it'll rear on you and ram you and whoop, you're dead. Whoops. Because, okay, you know, I remember with my, the only gauntlet experience I have is Gauntlet Legends, but I remember being able to see a pretty good distance on the screen. You can't do that with Shining Force Neo. The screen is zoomed in too far. And the game actually has the gall, the unmitigated gall, to not be able to display everything on screen. You will see things pop up that you should be clearly able to see. What kind of garbage is that? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And you I have to kill, pretty... and you often have to kill everything. So good luck finding all of them. Oh, yes. Well, here's the gauntlet element that most of your enemies just pop out of enemy generators, which look like, I don't know, what were they? Big black holes that are floating in the sky, something like that? Yeah. And they will spawn a swarm of enemies. You will kill all of them. And then they will spawn an occasional enemy after that. But you can finally kill them because they will regenerate really fast until you have gotten rid of their hope. (laughs) And if you're super strong, then you shouldn't be messing around there anyway because this game uses that wonderful system of scaled experience games. Yay? Question mark? Well, in a game where you need to be grinding, not that levels will help you much, but it's something... (laughs) <laughs> you, if you're getting one experience per kill and it takes you 56,000 experience to go up a level, you better not hang around there unless you've got all your rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, let's if our description of this game sounds like it's utterly monotonous, then we have done our job successfully. <laughs> well, yes, the monotony comes from you slowly advance. If you get, If you think you have the closest call possible do you think you have any reason whatsoever to run back to town well you have that ability because you're given an item early on right around when you start needing it that will just warp you back to town 
and you can take care of all your inventory management, which we'll get to. <laughs> uh, save. Boy, howdy golly gosh, do you need to do that? And then we're back, and it's time to have more fun. Getting killed. Yay, more fun. Because... This game is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I... I, I, didn't even, I, I didn't even play it nearly as long as you did. <laughs> I can't even imagine what you went through. I looked at my game clock at the end. It was something like 72 hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that is not counting all the times I died, which doubtless added many hours. Oh, what a I piece of it, crap. I, I guess it's some kind of Stockholm Syndrome in that I can't quite call this something worthy of my undying hatred <laughs> it's it's wretched it's awful it's it might just be the worst shining game of all and after some of the ones we've talked about that saying something oh. but uh, i don't know after after sinking so much of my irreplaceable life essence into this thing i can't I just can't work up the hate storm that i know i rightfully should i'm sorry I mean, I could say it's not as worse as and not as bad as Mugen Souls, I guess. Well, that's like saying something is more nutritious than rotted garbage or prettier than a nuclear land site. <laughs> you know, all I'm hearing here is a bunch of negativity from you guys. And, 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 you know, that can't possibly be the case because this game is full of action. And action is always better than boring turn-based combat. This from the guy who loves the gold box. Come on, man. It's got action. And I mean, oh my gosh. Oh, Phil, we only get one experience point per kill. We need like 80,000 to Hello? That's called retro. That's what gives it its retro hardcore flavor, man. That's what keeps people coming back day after day, knowing that they actually have to earn that level up. Let me describe another aspect of the audio that takes me off with this game. There are two versions of the music tracks that you will hear in each area. One for when there are no enemies around, and the other for when they are. The problem is that the screen is zoomed in so far, the, en- the music will pick up to show you the enemies around. You don't know where the hell they are. You can't find them easily. The game has no kind of radar to show you the enemies are over there. You just have to stumble around until you find them. Um, let's see. Ah, yes, okay. Here's how you survive in Shining Force Neo. Your skills. You get, uh, I don't remember what they're called right now, but they're some kind of skill points that you just gather, mostly by beating up enemy generators, but you can find them elsewhere. You get these things, you pour them into skills. That's a good idea, because some of these skills are really, really handy. Like, I don't know, the skill that ups your defense, the skill that decreases the damage you take from certain things, the skills that up your da- the damage you deal against various types of enemies. That's great. Here's the problem, or here are the two problems. One is the sheer amount of skill points you will need in order to merely survive, unless you like dying in one hit. And the other is that a lot of the skills you would want, the skills you would like to start maxing out, you can't get them until the game says you can by reaching a certain point in the narrative and look here, I got the, I got a new force uh, force art. That's what they call them, force arts. So that's 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 just wonderful. And trust me, you need to have most of your skills maxed out if you want to survive. 
I don't no skill is not going to help you. The screen is zoomed in so far and the enemies will swarm you in close quarters. No, you're not going to survive by dodging. Get that get that notion right out of your head. Get in there, wail away, and you either have enough healing enough to take a few hits and apply your healing waters until you win or you don't. In which case you'll die and know what you should and you'll have to go try again and work out some more. What else? Ah, yes, okay. The other characters in the game are your AI-controlled partners. You have zero influence on what they do, but because they level up with you, and because they can be very helpful, even though they can be dumb as dirt, you want them around. If nothing else, just because they will help you by taking hits that could have gone to you. (laughs) And then you can revive them with a healing water and everything is good. And that brings me to the healing water, and that brings me to the inventory, which is a pain. You have 50 slots for your inventory. Okay, that's fine. But expendable items either come combined or don't. You cannot combine them to take up fewer slots in your inventory. And with the healing water in particular, that's not good. Because you will get uh, something like 26 healing waters in various numbers. Here you get five, here you get two, here you get one. And they... By the end of the game, you will have something like 12 of your inventory slots dedicated to all these combinations of healing waters that you can never combine. Forever clogging your inventory. Isn't that great? Yay. <sighs> um, what, am I, what am I forgetting? Uh, oh, oh, yes. This uses, instead of palette swapping enemies to let you know that they're stronger, this game will do one of two things. It will either enlarge the sprite of the enemy, which, well, it it is interesting. It at least gives you some idea, oh, that's dangerous. Or it will take the more common approach, which is nothing at all. It will look identical to what you've been fighting earlier, but it's not. Oh, hey, I've beat up this easy enemy before. Oh, God, I'm dead. (laughs) You stupid giants! I've killed you with ease. Oh, not these ones. Um, do you have anything else, Mr. Apps? No. Well, just despite all this, I still think they can make a decent action RPG in the Shining series. But um, this is it. Just forget everything they've ever done in the past. And you know, by the way, this I believe this game was at least co-developed by uh, I forget the name, but the, the uh, developer that made Lufia and the, the Rune Factory games. Neverland? Yes. So it's not yes. like it, it's it, not like it even came from a bad developer. And it's also a developer that clearly knows a little bit about action RPGs doing the Rune Factory games, so... I don't know what the heck happened. And let me let me rub it in one more time. This game is way too long. Oh my god! I the the legions that open up there there are a bunch of places you can't access until the dark castle has showed up and you get certain items that will let you get in there. These contain legions with a whole bunch of enemies that you can kill along with a boss. And you, if you do it, you get some extra skills and tons of skill points and usually enough experience to go up a level. That's good. That's good. But the game makes you think these are optional. When, if I guess you could skip them, but then you will most more than likely die multiple times fighting 
uh, second or third bosses in the three randomly generated dungeons that you must complete to <laughs> become a shining force. And mm, while you can warp out at most points of those dungeons, if you have to, say, go do something else because, you know, you're getting your butt pounded by the boss, uh, you're going to have to go through the whole thing again. Oh, no. And they're ten floors each. Oh. Well, I'm very glad I gave up on this game. I don't know how I sacrificed so much of my life to it. Well, I guess you just had to make sure you could review it to hopefully prevent other people from making the same mistake. I can only hope that my pain and suffering was useful to someone. I sacrificed days of my (laughs) life that I will never get back for you, for you, the listeners, for you, the readers. Don't let it be in vain. Don't let it be in vain. (sighs) Okay. Now that we've plumbed the depths, let's rebound somewhat. Next up, the last game that Sega brought across the ocean in the Shining series. Developed by Neverland, exclusively published by Sega. Released on January 19th, 2007 in Japan, and on March 20th, 2007 in North America, it's Shining Force EXA, a single-player action RPG for your PlayStation 2. What a wonderful name. You have not touched this one yet, right? No. uh, For obvious reasons, I was very scared to come anywhere near this this game. While my impressions of it are not overwhelmingly positive, I can easily say it is a tremendous improvement over Neo. Well, that's good. Although it reuses many maps from Neo and many enemy sprites, which seems kind of lazy. <laughs> a little bit. And I mean, it reuses them wholesale. There will be a couple of ch- small changes, <laughs> but you will go, wait a minute, I've been here before, because you have. <laughs> And it's even weirder because the game doesn't have any story connection to it, so I don't understand. Anyway, well, all right. Our story finds Toma, and just like Max, Toma apparently loves to bear his midriff. Just look at the guy. He's <laughs> he's wearing what appears to be uh, sort of a ninja top, except it's bearing his midriff. Weird. He is with a couple of other people... One named Cyril, one named Maybell, whose sole characteristic appears to be that she is an elf and she loves to eat. <laughs> and Gadford, another mentor centaur type character. And they're trying to find the sword of the heritor. Or no, no, sh- no, they're they're searching for Shining Force. The sword. Shining Force. Now it's a sword? Yeah, it is. Uh. And they find it. At the end of the first chapter, in fact. <laughs> there it is. Toma picks it up, and the fact that he's able to pick it up means, like Excalibur, he is the one to wield Shining Force. And that unlocks, that activates the Geo Fortress, which is the headquarters of he who wields Shining Force and is supposedly supposed to become king of the world now. Hmm. And that is Toma's stated goal. He wants to be king of the world. Eventually, he elaborates on it a little more to say that he. Sob, sob, sob story. He never knew his parents. He used to live with a wandering tribe, and they got killed in a fight, and now he wants to end all war, and the only way to do that is to be king of the world. Okay. That that does make him come across a little better than, I'm going to be the king right now. <laughs> but it's – wait, you'll never guess how old he is, Mike. 17? No. How did you get 16? No, he's 17. 
Well, that means that he is primed and ready to save the world. Well, of course. And Cyril, she is also 17. <laughs> I mentioned Cyril because very quickly you will be playing as her. And she plays differently than Toma. I'll give her that. Toma plays pretty much like Max did when you gave him a sword. Cyril plays like Max did if you gave him a bow and arrow or if you gave him magic. Which fits because, again, we're, we're pretty much borrowing the same viewpoint of Shining Force Neo. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting into the story. Back into the story. Well, what do you know? Just because Toma picked up Shining Force and he activated the Geo Fortress, and there's this mechanical dog thing called Zenus, which is saying that he is, in fact, the master. The two rulers of the world, Ragnadam III and Rimshian, do not immediately surrender and give up their power to him. Hmm. What a what a shock! Quite shock. No, these two want to enlist him, want to enlist Toma for their own aid. And when he rejects both of them, and very cautiously, as you would, as seventeen-year-olds are wont to do, very diplomatic seventeen-year-olds tend to be. <laughs> well, Banff, it, it turns out that um, if you if they cannot get him on their side, then they're perfectly willing to try and kill him. So, having needlessly antagonized the two monarchs in charge of the world, Toma gets the task of fighting them off. <laughs> and that will take up the conclusion of the game. However, lots and lots of time along the way is spent with Zenus telling Toma, Master, the, to access that function of the Geo Fortress, we need a new metal. Please go find some. Here is where you can do it. And that will be your task. Here, go find this green metal. Go find this core metal. Go find this whatever. So you get a lot of fetch quests. Everybody loves those. Um, In the meaningful stuff, it turns out that Shining Force is actually two swords, and Cyril has the other one, which kind of wraps itself around her arm most of the time. And there is a horrible, horrible fate. The two people who wield Shining Force must fight each other, and the survivor will claim the entire power and use it to put down... uh, the Big Bad. And I can't remember what the Big Bad is called right now, but it's evil. That's all you need to know. So this is kind of Shining Force Highlander? There could be only one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Except, this case, in this case, Toma and Cyril love each other. Oh. So they, when they fight, um, the loser does not get killed. The loser gets to come and save the winner because the winner does not have enough power to beat the Big Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I never really noticed about Shining Force Neo, because the view was exclusively limited to that combat style, is that the characters kind of had a cel-shaded look. But you get to see that in EXA because there are some cutscenes which give you a pretty good look at them. Not very many, but it's enough. And, oh, let me think. Well, Toma and Cyril's relationship, I've seen worse, but if you're going to do a love affair then you really need to give them more time together with meaningful dialogue. I like good romances. This is not one. It's not a terrible romance either. It's just kind of, you gave them some things to talk about and then you stopped. That's that's not enough. So I can't get mad at it and I can't be happy with it. It's just kind of disappointing. And the story is, oh, but not as disappointing as Ragnadam and Rimsian, who have been fighting each other for years. Will they team up to help the winner take on the big bad at the near the end and then uh i guess they love each other all of a sudden <laughs> that really didn't get enough development 
Oh, and this game also has an Adam robot. It's a different Adam robot, though. This one looks like... Oh. Actually, it kind of looks like a bathysphere with with stubby limbs hanging off. Uh, so the story has potential and starts to meet it and then doesn't. So it's half-baked, is what I'd say. That's disappointing. It's better than Neo, but it's not as good as it should have been. Well, as long as it's better than Neo, which I guess isn't a high bar, but still. No, it isn't really a high bar. (sighs) Let's see. Now, as for the actual playing of it, again, it's like Neo, but if you just go through the game straight, you will probably find, hey, this difficulty curve is reasonable. (laughs) Which, had Neo had such a thing, it would have been improved immensely. (laughs) Uh... There are some changes, though. The first is that either Toma or Cyril will be sitting around at the Geofortress while one of them is out exploring. And periodically, you will get notified that enemies are approaching the Geofortress. And that is your cue for the other character, the one who is not exploring right now, to go out there and do battle with the enemies outside the Geofortress because they will be attacking one of its engines. If they break the engine, it's game over. You have some control over this because you will be constantly getting these things called core metals which you can pump into the functions of the Geofortress. And if you make it stronger, then, you know, the engines are much harder to break. (laughs) And those are interesting for a while, but because you the game will literally force you to drop whatever you're doing with the exploring team and go back to the Geofortress to protect it, that can get annoying. And just like Shining Force Neo, both of them have, uh, I don't remember what they call it, but it's a big skill set. And both of them get energy in the same amount when one of them does, which is good, so that you don't have to grind constantly with both of them. Although you should That's anyway, good. because again, if you want to Mac, if you want to use all the skills that are useful, you're going to need to get a lot of energy. Um, oh, and it even reuses some of the music from Shining Force Neo. That that's just cheap. Yeah. Let's see. The vocal performance here, I'll be charitable and say it's it's okay. It's nothing revelatory. Toma does sound like a guy here, though, and if you've played Project Exo, then you know he does not sound like a guy in Japanese. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's as far as I'm going. The vocal performances are okay in English, for the most part. And, well, there is the nice touch that whatever you've equipped actually makes a difference in how your character looks on screen. It's always a nice touch, especially in an action RPG. Cyril has some pretty outlandish outfits. <laughs> One of them makes her look like she's about to go into a formal ball. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I should mention, this is the Shining game that Sega chose to have characters for Project X-Zone. Why? I don't really know. <laughs> If you're forced, if you're forced to choose from shining action RPGs, this is a good one compared to some of the others. It's true. But why did it have to be from shining action RPGs? I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, you got Shining Force Feather to work from. That's a tactical game. Yeah, they could have used, and that would have been more fitting for uh, another tactical RPG. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have minded if they had used characters from Wynn, but we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, 
one function of the Geo Fortress is that you can create a training ground, which allows you to go down through randomly generated dungeon levels and grind. It's a feature, you see. It's it's a feature. <laughs> and, well, that is where you will find yourself getting killed very quickly if you go down too deep in there. <laughs> but And the final boss... I was playing as Serial because, let's face it, I like having some distance between me and the enemies whenever I can. And Toma has to get right in there with them. And I had to... I lost the first time to the final boss, which is just this big black cloud of evil. <laughs> and I had to go in there and switch up a few of her skills so that she was more capable of surviving against its specific forms of damage and dealing damage to something that counts as darkness... Uh, it applies under several listings, and you just need to make sure to, to pump up your skills that do damage against those types. But at least it did not have me do what I did with Neo, which was instantly use the invincibility items I still had. <laughs> and that allowed me to destroy the final boss with no worries. And there are invincibility items still in Shining Force EXA. Jeez. If you feel the need. They're rare, but they're, they exist. And the inventory is still kind of a pain because now you've got you'll constantly need to be switching items that only Cyril or only Toma can use back and forth. But at least you can have a guy combine your healing items so that they take up less space. Well, that's good. Although that's something that never should have been an issue to begin with. And he can only combine them into a total of nine, and you will get a total more than nine, so they will still take up multiple slots. Ugh. So yeah, I'm I'm conflicted on EXA because using this template, it should have been possible to make a better game, and it is better than Neo by a considerable margin. But that still doesn't mean I prefer it. Yeah. And that leads to our import corner, where we're going to close out our shining action RPGs with Shining Wind, developed by Next Tech and Amusement Vision, published by Sega. Released on the PlayStation 2 on May 17th, 2007 in Japan only. And naturally, the one that I say is the best of them all, we didn't get. Of course. Good old Sega. As Shining Force EXA was to Neo, a significant improvement, so Shining Wind, Shining Wind is to Shining Tears. Only I think it's an even bigger improvement over Shining Tears. I actually enjoyed this for the most part. Oh, it's nothing groundbreaking, and it's still got the central mechanic of Shining Tears, which is that your character, Kuraha this time. No, no, not Kuraha. Uh, what is his free name? Kiria. Thank you, Wiki. <laughs> is still going into battle with a partner. But the partner is actually actually makes a significant difference here. The partner alters the attacks you can use. And you have more than one partner attack that you can use, which will vary depending on how far you are from the partner. And without the partner, Kyria's stats go down, so you don't want to let him or her die. Uh, The missions are actually quite varied here. You don't have to kill everything most of the time. There are some interesting ones. Um, Now I have to try and remember. There are several interesting ones late in the the game where cannonballs are raining down randomly. And they're just an occupational hazard. You have to deal with them. And then the following battle after that, you'll find you will take it will be on the deck of the gigantic tank that is blast that was blasting cannons at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
moving around in this game is interesting. Unlike Shining Tears, there is a world map, and you go into different parts of it and move around, and you don't find the standard random battles. Instead, you find these, they call them chaos gates in the game. They're these black floating things, and if you touch them, you get sucked into another dimension, which is a pretty small area with a boss enemy and some helpers for it, and you kill the boss, or it kills you, and, it's, and it boots you back out. <laughs> Which is fine, because there's no real penalty for getting killed in the game. And after, after these Shining Force action RPGs, I'm fine with that. I was sick of game overs in those. And if you kill enough of the Chaos Gates, then you can open up a warp tree that will allow you to get around faster in the world. Get, yeah, doing that's... it for every, every possible region will take you a while, but that's useful. It's so. interesting. Yeah. The story. Well, again, we're dealing with a lot of 17 year olds, but at least this time it is clearly explained ah, these people came from a high school. So, yeah, that, make, that would make sense. Kyria and his friend Sheena just pop over to this magical realm, and they instantly display combat prowess because, of course, they're. They're 17-year-old Japanese teenagers. Why not? (laughs) And, oh, yes. Instead of a ring to uh, unite the powers in this one, Shining Wind uses something I've never seen before. Kyria and a couple of other people who are capable of doing this will pull a sword out of the chest of the partner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That sounds painful. It doesn't seem to be. <laughs> These people just, they just stand there with the, with the sword hilt poking out of their chest in some kind of portal thing, and Kyria pulls it out, and the other person just assumes a combat posture. Yeah, we're going to fight now. <laughs> I Don't ask me, man. I should perhaps draw issue with some of the outfits characters wear, which I will, of course... Just just look at the outfit that Kuraha is wearing right there. And keep in mind that she's an archer. Oh, that doesn't seem very battle-ready at all. I'm not sure. That might actually be a worse outfit than her high school uniform. <laughs> because I don't... I've never been a good archer, but I don't think having sleeves the size of bedsheets will really help you. <laughs> And here's another character who's, well, this is Zekdi, the Psy Elf. And she's a Psy Elf because she's got those things sticking out of her head. And Zekdi is going in for the trench coat with, I guess, nothing else under it. Interesting. You have to fight her a couple of times and eventually she joins you and she's tossed out the trench coat for just a shirt by that point. Though she's still wearing the super short skirt because, of course, she's Psy Elf, I guess. Of course. Um, the character I ended up... I actually ended up using two characters the, the most. One is Clara Clan, the princess. You know, you know, there had to be a princess, but she's 18. Oh, well then, how does she have any skill at saving the world? <laughs> Shouldn't that have all, all have worn off by now? Well, her skill is in healing. See, she uses the healing spells. And just like Ryuna in Tears, she can kill the undead without making them revive multiple times, so she's good to have around. The other one I used constantly is Zekti. Only becomes available late in the game, but she has a really awesome pair attack where as everything that you... 
a giant circle goes up on the screen. Everything that you can get inside of that circle will take damage and be returned to you as hit point gain. <laughs> and nothing is immune to it. Even the final boss, which is a pain in the butt, but I did beat it after spending all the money I had gained in the, in the game to uh, smith out my equipment to a massive degree. You can even use this attack to regain some, hate, some hit points from the final boss. <laughs> so it's a handy thing to have. And the plot, the plot. Uh, yeah, Kyria and Sheena and Kureha and all the friends they gain, they make along the way. All the people who Kyria is able to pull a sword out of. Because <laughs> it, it does happen for everyone on your team. Uh, they go off. They, they're fighting against, well, take a wild guess. First, it's an evil empire. <laughs> I know, we're, we're, we're probably in innovative ground here. Oh, so original. Though the evil empire is led by uh, this dude. I'm trying to remember his name. We'll just look at him. Doesn't he look evil? Uh, of course. Pale skin, white hair, evil. And black. Yes. Uh, is he also 17? I don't remember his age ever being brought up. Mm. And frankly, I would have preferred to be able to figure out exactly why some of these people are now on my team after I've been beating the crap out of them multiple times. But <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is the chance you take when you do an import because there is no translation for this. There may never be. I don't know. Uh, the only thing – if you've imported a few things, this is not difficult to pick up, especially since it is an action RPG and you should be able to figure out what the hell you're doing real fast except for – how you increase your relationship with the characters, which is you start at level one with everybody, and if you go up to level two, three, four, five, uh, the stats that you inherently go gain from using that character's weapon go up, and that character gets more powerful too, so it's a good thing. But it does involve you using these items that otherwise have no purpose, taking them to a tree which has mystical properties, and accessing the soul gate of each person and then you go through a visual novel which isn't difficult it's just you have to wade through a lot of Japanese text and conversation before you get a result out of it so it would have been far more enjoyable if I had some more refined clue of exactly what the hell was going on <laughs> um, and yeah you do still move pretty slowly in battle so I I'm not terribly thrilled about that. But otherwise, Shining Wind, I say, is the best Shining action RPG by a fair margin. I did not get bored the whole way through. The bosses were not outlandishly powerful, but they kept me on my toes. Even the final boss, which once I changed my strategy and upped my equipment, I was able to take it out. I I liked this game. I enjoyed playing it. Sounds like they were finally on the right track. Yeah, varied missions, the character choices matter. It's <sighs> So, yep. Sega has taught us that if at first you don't succeed, um, fail a bunch of times, and eventually you'll succeed. <laughs> and not bring it across the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> of course. So, that, that concludes our not particularly positive Shining Action Retrospective. Yes, the Shining action games have been a sea of mediocrity and 
outright plot. <laughs> yes. And uh, and we could probably combine all their plots into about 10 minutes. So, not much there. And, yeah. Don't play these games, except maybe... Uh, what was the name of this last one again? Shining Wind. Shining Wind. If you, if you want to check out one that's in English, Shining Force EXA is okay. I'm not going any further than that, though. Yeah, just for the love, for the love of God, do not play Neo, please. <laughs> Save yourself. You're better than it. I, I don't care if you're sitting on death row. You do not deserve this. <laughs> <sighs> but guys, I can get it for only ten bucks. No. no. Come on! You know what else you could get for ten bucks, Phil? Lunch? Lunch? <laughs> Maybe two lunches if you're good at spending. I see. I see a newly re- shrink wrapped black label version, not the greatest hits. Oh my god, they came out with the greatest hits version of that, as if it was one of the great. Holy cow! That just devalued the whole entire greatest hits label that they slap on the to some of those PlayStation Two games. Holy crap! Anyways, eighty bucks. Eighty bucks, man. Think about it. Just think about it. I did think about it. I'm done thinking about it. I said no. I think I'd have to be paid a lot of money to play uh, Shining Force Neo again. Never mind paying money to buy it. Now I'm missing out. Yes, you are. You're missing the chance to waste days of your life, like I did. Don't do what I did. Do what I say, not what I do. Well, while everyone's looking for a way to avoid uh, Shining Force Neo, uh, we're going to take a tiny break and wrap this up with the final lap. the final lap this is that part of the show where we read your comments your questions and talk about whatever tickles our fancy uh and the such won't be too long tonight because it's getting kind of late but uh i'm trying to remember did we have any comments this week i don't think we did i'm i'm frankly astonished where where is everybody why did that title throw people off? What did you think you were going to get? I, I guess it's because we used that strong... I'm the juggernaut! Yeah, yeah. 
something. Yeah, bad people. Go and come. Or, at least, at least, express your outrage over our use of colorful metaphors during that podcast. It doesn't work with any other word, people. Yeah, it doesn't really. No, you know, it's 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 just such. Um, I don't know. It's such a really great action RPG series on the on the PlayStation uh, too. Gotta go check it out, peeps. Or the Engage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely on the Engage. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> Shoot. Well, um, that's a shame. That's a real crying shame. Oh well, they're lost. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. People don't want to play. You know, Pretty good X-Men games. That's their loss. That's right. Let's see here. Well, uh, in a couple of days, we'll be doing RPG Backtrack number 106. Uh, Ingmar's Bergam's Persona. We'll be talking about... (laughs) (laughs) You didn't expect anything else, did you, Minky? We'll be talking about... I didn't expect anything else, but... (laughs) We t- uh, talk am I going to have to announce that so that we get the pronunciation right once? No, we don't get it right once and break our track record. We'll be talking about uh, Revelations Persona and Persona 1 PSP. So there. Yep, yep, yep. Talking about the time when Atlas did not respect cultural sensitivities when localizing games. Hmm... Hmm. So, anywho, uh, what's going on with you, Mr. Apps? Well, I'm currently working on reviewing two games. Uh, the third title in some awful series that I still don't understand why, how it got a third title. Isn't it, isn't it technically the fourth title since there was yes. the Eldar Saga? Yes, that's yes. And the. Elder Saga it hasn't improved either. Uh, no, I mean it's not horribly broken, but that's not really saying much when it's tedious and boring as all heck. So, yeah, I mean it's not Mutant Souls, where it's like, wow, these mechanics are pretty stupid and awful and broken. But I'm, you know bored and falling asleep all the same. Mm. That may put it above Shining Force Neo, though. Yeah, yes. Yes, it's it's better than Shining Force Neo, which it really isn't saying much. Right, I can, I can come up with hundreds of games that are better than Shining Force Neo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's that, and I'm also playing Guided Fate Paradox for review, which is kind of the spiritual successor to ZHP, Zetai Hero Project. Uh, oh, I know Phil liked that game. Unlosing Unlo- Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man. Uh, what are you doing with it? I'm playing the spiritual successor to that game, Guided Fate Paradox. Is that a U.S. or a Japanese-only release? It's U.S. It's coming out on November 5th. On what system? PS3. Huh. Yeah, you know, actually, um, 
Yeah, I've been thinking about going back and, and giving that another shot because I think I got stuck on that last chapter. So I never mm. did finish it. So yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of game as that. A uh, roguelike, but with lots of uh, NIS-type features and niceties and uh, uh, involving plot. So... Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. A lot of interesting usage of roguelike mechanics and a story that kind of has a dumb overall plot, but uh, the way it's set up is basically you're granting wishes and the chap- so the chapter-by-chapter chapter stories are interesting, even if the overall plot is kind of like something you might see in a really bad anime. But yeah, it's so those two things combined, it's it's pretty interesting so far. With the big caveat that at first, um, you're getting story sequences after each floor, which if you've ever played a roguelike before, those floors can go by pretty quick, which kind of grinds the whole experience to a halt, but eventually uh, it gets a lot better as, uh, I mean, you're still going to get those story sequences, but eventually you get to the point where you're going to have to exit out of dungeons, buy some new items, upgrade some stuff, uh, and then dive back in, and then the story sequences don't replay. I know. I know. Uh, I've already watched them. Yeah. Well, I know with ZHP, it was kind of broken up into chapters, but I mean, there was yeah. the set. There was the set dungeon you did uh, that was part of the storyline, and when you got to certain, you know, floors or whatever, a storyline would cut in. But um, in order to be able to get anywhere in that game, you needed to grind in in non-story dungeons, very much like Disgaea and its item world levels and the such. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but but every time you exit out in ZHP, I'm sorry, I'm a little tired, so it's like coming to my mind slowly. But every time you exit out in ZHP, you'd start over at level one. But your total accumulated levels, it would keep track of all of your total levels, would would kind of give you more power over the long run. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing here, and there's also a mechanic where. Uh, in CHP, you weapons and armor had like a condition that eventually ran out, and you could uh, you know fix them in town. Here's got a similar kind of thing where they eventually wear down, and then you can still use them. They just have like reduced uh, power. Um, but where kind of wearing them down like that unlocks uh, tiles you can place in this. Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a mini game, but kind of like yeah, a whole upgrade thing where you can up add to your attack and defense and stuff like that. So uh, it basically encourages you to use a bunch of different items you find. And it also makes it so that, you know, if you die in a dungeon uh, with these weapons you've uh, used to that burst point, you still get something out of it, even though you're going to lose all your items from dying in the dungeon, but you'll still get those tiles to use to upgrade your character a bit. Uh, so, like CHP, I, I like that it manages to take a lot about like the punishing difficulty you'll find in roguelikes, but 
but still give you like uh, a lot of ways to progress so that even when you're uh, failing horribly and dying, you're still getting stuff to upgrade your characters so uh, things will be a little bit easier the next time you dive into whatever dungeon you're on. So, um, I don't know if I don't know for ZHP if uh, a lot of like hardcore roguelike people who play uh, you know some of those old school ones that still use text text based dungeons and everything are gonna like this, but for people more casually familiar with the mecha mechanics, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun despite the initial uh, pacing issues, and it's. I don't want to say it's accessible, but it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like the game is completely unfair. And obviously, there's ways to escape dungeons uh, before you die, so you don't so kind of death and losing all your items isn't a big worry. So it's um, it's a really smartly created game with just some pacing and story issues that don't haven't completely ruined the experience so far. Well, that sounds more appealing than the last big PS3 exclusive that I remember, which came earlier this year, and I seem to remember... What was it? Time in Eternity? Oh, dear. <laughs> so at least you didn't get that. Yes. Yes, this is certainly not that. Um, I think some people that might just want to dive into the dungeons are going to hate the story, but it's all skippable. And like I said, the the whole thing revolves around you granting wishes. Wishes. So there's some interesting story by story content there um, that I think a lot of people will find interesting, even if. Um, like, like me, you don't really care for, don't really care at all for the overall plot. Yeah, there's that, and hopefully I'll have a review up for that sometime in the near future. Uh, it's this is the same people who make Disgay and ZHP and all that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the, the same team as does Disgaea, but um, I think it uses, it might use the same. Like graphical engine as the recent Disgaea games, and I actually recognize several sound effects that are reused from that series. So, I mean, uh, yeah, and the the thing about the thing about those games, uh, you know, all those games, uh, I've been playing a lot of them lately. Uh, so I'm just reminding it's the same thing with ZHP. But nine times out of ten, the storylines, if you really don't like the anime store over the top storylines, they're usually completely skippable. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really kind of cool. I mean, with 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 both ZHP and Disgaea's, if you want to focus and get through the story, you'll get a nice meaty twenty to forty hour you know experience usually and and you get really you know really good story and in playing i just beat um Disgaea 3 on the vita and really you don't have to do hardly any grinding until you get to like the last chapter you have to do a little bit 
but uh, then you kind of you know you're done and you've and you've experienced the whole story. But if you're more into the gameplay, you can skip a lot of that story. And and really, when you get to the end of the story, that's where kind of the meat and potatoes of these of these games really come to bear because then you really do need to start getting into the systems that are underneath the hood and exploiting them in order to really you know level up and uh, really make your characters really powerful and, and start quote unquote breaking the game um, so you, you probably get the same thing with this one I would imagine if it's following the same formula as the others yeah, yeah. absolutely or we, we're really the only formula being like ZHP but ZHP just even though it's a it, it is a roguelike disguise is a turn based you know party based combat um, but it seemed like ZHP had a lot of that um, Disgaea DNA running it. Yeah, I, I'd say this, you get the same kind of thing here because typically in a roguelike it's kind of very 2D uh, like over the top view uh, mostly pretty simple dungeon designs. Well here uh, there are dungeons are a lot more interesting uh, you get that Disgaea camera view and it's a lot more 3D elements here and and a, the dungeons actually change up pretty quickly, so you're not just doing the typical, you know, a bunch of hallways connected to rooms. Uh, there's actually uh, there was one where you're like on on the floor of the ocean, and it's just one giant wide open area, and you have to kind of explore to find where the actual rooms are. So it, it switches it up. And brings kind of the Disgaea type level design to roguelike. So uh, it, it's it's just an interesting game, and um, I hope they continue making games like this because as much as I like Disgaea, it's nice to it's nice to see the them do something different, which uh, you know they kind of used to do with like Phantom Brave and some different games like that that they seem to get away from. Yeah, going back to the Disgaea formula again and again, kind of gets a little stale. Yeah. Uh, so, not that I necessarily want to see them just do lots of roguelikes as a, as an aside, but uh, they definitely have some talented people there that can do different things with RPGs. And you know, I know they've got an action RPG coming up next year, so hopefully they can kind of do the same thing to action RPGs. So we'll see. You know, I still got a lot of this game left. Hopefully, it continues to be good. So, but so far, so far so good. Okay, Doug. Anything? Uh... That, that's better. That's a lot better than it could be. Yes. Anything for us, Mr. Minky? Well, I'm plugging away at Agarest Generations of War. I have now sunk 40 hours into it. I'm in the second generation of five. So I... I really don't know if I'm going to even be done with this stupid thing by the time 2014 rolls around. The only one <laughs> that would require me to put several hours in a day, and I don't know if I can do that yet. Um, I just finished Hoshigami Remix. You can see my review on the site right now. 
I know you saw it, Phil. Mm-hmm. I will have more to say about that game in the near future on the backtrack. For now, I will just say that it has some interesting ideas. It does not execute them very well. I am also playing Suikoden Tactics, which is not a great tactical game, but as something set in the Suikoden world that does some interesting things, I'd say it's worth playing. And it is... The combat is considerably more interesting than Suikoden 4, although that's not particularly difficult to do. And... Had we done this... Had we, had we recorded this a few hours ago, I would have been still full of the disappointment I feel at seeing the counselor today. Now I'm just having to struggle. I found it to be a very boring movie. Which is really an accomplishment when you're dealing with people who are trying to make money through the drug trade and run afoul of Mexican drug cartels. But somehow it was turned into one of the most, not even necessarily bad, just boring experiences I've had this year. And there were some good scenes. They were just swallowed up by the morass. And I'll, I'll have a chance to do this again in a couple of days, so I won't go any further than that. How about you, Phil? Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, playing a lot of Disgaea um, 3, beat the main storyline, and, um, you know, just having a Mavita is just so bloody, bloody handy. Uh, I just, I just never, it just never occurred to me how much fun this could be until, like, it came free on the PSN store one day and downloaded it as far as the PS Plus, the PS Plus program. I, I saw this big old thread about how the Vita has no games. I'm like, you need to get PS Plus. I got, like, <laughs> 20 games now on this thing uh but i keep coming back to you know Disgaea because it's just it's really great for you know travel and play at the same time and i had some business trips i had to do and um and so i was able to log in some really good time on that uh and for once uh and i really really do this when it comes to video games but i'm actually doing some of that post-game content uh, the, the the Vita version comes with all the um, download DLC that was uh, originally on the PS3. So I'm leveling up my characters. Uh, and I took them right from story mode where I pretty much had only leveled them enough to easily get through the, uh, the storyline. Um, on the last chapter, I had spent a few runs through Item World and the such. And, uh, and, and then went straight into some of the content and got my ass handed to me. So and it clearly says, hey, you know, boys and girls, you, you want to do some leveling up before you do this. And um, I ignored it and got my ass kicked. So that was okay. I was expecting it, but I just wanted to see how how tough it could really be. And so I've I've gone through some item worlds a few times, uh, some class worlds and stuff. And uh, one of the things I did, it's on the forums. Uh, we talked about this a show or two ago, and I can't remember if it was Michael Apps or one of y'all that was on the show. And we were talking about reincarnating and what that what that does for a character. So I did. What I did was I took um, I took my one of my priestess and reincarnated her from an acolyte to a priest, which is the next tier up. And when you go one tier up, usually get uh, the the next tier up usually has an additional plus two to all base stats, and then you get to pump some more points in. They bring some over from being reincarnated. And as I mentioned uh, in the previous show, uh, you get your base stats are super super important because every time you level up, you get fifty percent of your base stats, you know, added to your totals. 
So you can see a side-by-side -side comparison plus your, your inheritance rate from your items increases as well a little bit. Um, so if, uh, if an item gives you a hundred attack, let's say, uh, uh, you know, an alkalite might only get 90% of that attack. So we'd only have 90 attack points from it, but a priest may get 95 or a hundred percent of that. So they would get 95 or a hundred points. So all this multiplies and adds up and whatever have you. And so I took my priest and she was 63 when I reincarnated her, got her back up to 63 within about an hour or so. Um, after I reincarnate her back to level 1 and you can see the stats on the screenshots her attack went up 130 uh, her resistance which is an important stat for priest is up over 100 points defense was up over 200 points which is pretty important so you can kind of see what reincarnation does and you just yeah. so I've been doing that and, and lots of items I, I, it's just really sick I found this really cool axe that was already pretty powerful. Went into item world on it and made it even more powerful. And now my fighter can one hit kill anything that's double his level <laughs> or less. <laughs> I mean, just just totally decimates everything with just one hit. Um, it, it's just so much fun just finding ways to just create incredibly you know broken characters um, and just having fun doing it and just mostly going for all offense and. Um, not worrying too much about build, building too much defense. So I like seeing things die in one hit or one spell. It, it brings me happiness. So did a lot of that. Um, and uh, just still working on Discaea 4, though, on the, on the PlayStation 4. For that one, I'm just planning on getting through the story mode. And that way I can go ahead and move on to D2. The, uh, there was some talk about uh, Path of Exile... Uh, which I really wasn't really keeping up with a whole lot until I saw our little, we had a, an interview or something on it, and it just kind of uh, piqued my interest. So I um, did a quick search and saw there was only one, uh, I guess it went fully, full release finally. It's been in beta forever. You could have been playing the beta on Steam if you wanted to, apparently. Um, but now it's official. And, and so Path of Exile, and the reason why I bring that up, it's, it's really a... Uh, it's very, very much inspired by Diablo 2. And with Diablo 3, there was a, a lot of disappointment expressed. And a lot of people uh, apparently feel that Path of Exile is, is really a, a great spiritual successor uh, to Diablo 2, carrying a lot of that stuff over. Uh, some of the early early reviews that I've seen and player reviews I've seen have just been praising this hand over fist. So I've downloaded it, pl played it out. I'll probably have more to say about it in, in a couple of days. But visually speaking um, and stuff, it, it, it gra the graphic style is definitely more reminiscent of, of Diablo 2. Very bloody, very gory, uh, very gothic-y, and everything's just downtrodden and stuff. And my guy starts out just punching things with his fist. He's just that bad. He doesn't even get a dagger. He has to punch things with his fist, and uh, and the first thing he gets is a is a helmet which looks like a glorified tin can with a place for his eyes to look out. So uh, it's really cool equipping that stuff, and it actually reflects on the character uh, pretty well. Um, played it to about fifth level today, and um, uh, so far pretty pretty cool and interesting. But I'll definitely have more to say about it. But the one thing that that jumped out at me when I start playing it is you level up. Um, you you got you get to um, you get these whatever they're called passive skill points and you put them onto your passive skill tree, which is a direct and utter ripoff of Final Fantasy X um, Sphere Grid, <laughs> except it's much 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 larger, very very large. 
you can actually just Google it and um, there you can see it online. But um, it's got around 1,400 nodes. Uh, so it's huge. Uh, there, there's just it's incredible. It's 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 so huge. I, I don't even know where to start with that thing. Uh, they also kind of take another nod to Final Fantasy VII because uh, you get these gems that you put into your items. Socketable items is nothing new to Diablo, um, but these uh, these gems generally um, are your attacks and spells that you're attaching to your weapons, rather than being passive bonuses as they tend to be in Diablo. And then, uh, and that's, uh, that's something I've seen before in Sacred. Sacred does that. I No, wait. No, no. Sacred doesn't actually put them on the weapons, I don't think. Uh, Sacred has gems that you find that have your skills in them, but you don't really, uh, that's right, you don't really attach them to your weapons. Anyways, this one you kind of attach them to your weapons, but then you find support gems later on that you very much uh, like you do in Final Fantasy VII where you might uh, t- stick two materia in a weapon that has a line in between those two materia that they kind of work together like you'd put an all support materia with fire in order to be able to cast fire on everything this game has something very very similar so you might get a skill uh, that allows you to throw out your sword kind of like Link does when he's on full health and you throw out an energy version of your sword but then you get the support uh, deal that lets you throw out three copies instead of just one so it's more like a spread shot effect. And then later on you might get the fire uh, gem that uh, then you can add the fire element to it and do fire damage with this thing. So uh, definitely taking some nods from some of the uh, – it sounds like that they, they, they've listened to what people have had to say and looked at some of what's really worked well in the past um, with some of the more popular games that are out there and uh, might have something that works really good together. So um, – uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'll get some more time into it and and continue to render my thoughts as they become available. So, and that and playing a lot of Animal Crossing. It sucks you in and it doesn't let you go. Don't do it. Don't play Animal Crossing, Minky. Okay. okay. You know, I'm thinking that should be an RPG. I'm kind of role-playing a mayor of a small town. I'm just thinking. Anyway... Uh, but that's pretty. Oh, and I'll, I'll say, um, you know, something that doesn't get talked about a lot with the with portable gaming and the, and the 3DS is that whole spot pass thingy. But that's pretty cool. As I'm walking around, I'm getting Pokemon because I'm I've also plugged a little bit away. I got my first gym badge. I'm not going too quick, obviously. I'm playing too many games again. Um, but I got my first gym badge in, in Pokemon, and I've got like up to 30, 35 Pokemon now. I'm just kind of taking my time and collecting them all as I go along. But, um, you know, it's not getting notifications. As I was running through the airport, um, I had my my 3DS in, in that receiving mode, and I received all kinds of Miis for my Miiverse, whatever the hell it's called, and uh, I got houses for Animal Crossing, and I got some sort of Pokemon trade doohickey. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool um doing and I, I don't think that gets enough exposure that it's it's a way to basically play with other people in a way it's online, but so as your three DS is in this passive mode and you're passing somebody else who has a three DS in that passive mode, if they've got the same game you have, it exchanges information, even if that's not the game they're currently on. So pretty cool stuff. Um <sighs> All right, but we got we got to get heading out here. Uh, it's getting pretty late. Um yeah. So
RPG Backtrack, part of RPGamer.com. Go leave us some form comments or something. Or write to us at jcservant at rpgamer.com. I'm going to bed now, Mike. I'm tired. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mr. Apps. I'm, I'm sorry to have to have kept you up with these nightmares. Good. Oh, it's okay. Good night, Billy Bob. It's all over now. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.